This is a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z-Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. And I mean it. I'm not really a doctor. When it comes to that, you know, medical stuff and psychology stuff, uh, I'm a layperson. I, I, I know what I hear from experts that I rely upon. And uh, I bring that up because um, <clears throat> I, uh, I'm a person that... Uh, has some low grade, I would say, uh, issues with anxiety. Uh, I don't. It's it's it's. I don't suffer, you know, crippling anxiety. It doesn't keep me from leaving the house or going to work or doing the things that I need to do. Uh, but I do get a a level of anxiety sometimes that is just. Uh, if you, you know, everybody, I'm sure, has experienced some form of anxiety, some level of it, at some point in their life, probably more than once. It's just this weird feeling, you know, this anxious, nervous. Uh, it, 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 it's it's sort of like you have a pent up energy that you want to get out, but you can't get it out, and it seems like. I don't know. It's it's hard to describe. If you felt it, you know what it's like. Um, and and I, you know, and, and and I've said this before about myself in the past that I am a worrier. I've been a worrier, worrier since I was a kid. I'd worry about stuff. Uh, that's just I'm really good at it. It's one of my it's one of my true talents. And. Uh, and I think, and again, I'm not an expert in this kind of stuff, but I think, at least for myself, that worry and anxiety don't always go hand in hand. I can worry about something and not get all anxious about it. Um, but anxi- my anxiety can happen, you know, can stem from my worries. So when I start, when I have an anxiety moment, uh, I can usually, if I, you know, stop myself and think about, okay, well, why, what's going on? What's, why am I feeling this way? And usually it doesn't take that long to even figure out why I'm feeling that way. As long as it is to ask myself why I'm feeling that way, I'm knowing why. There's usually a few things happening, a few worries piled on top of each other, and maybe one more thing happens that just sort of 
pushes it over into anxiety, into feeling the that that nervousness, that jumpiness, that unable to just relaxnessness. <laughs> It's just something like that. It's, it's, it's hard to put it into words exactly. Uh, so, this past Monday, uh, I had just such a, a, an evening of feeling the anxiety. Without getting into details as to what's going on, there's just a few things sort of piling on each other. Some, a few worries, you know, a couple of them that are related to work, uh, a couple of them that are related to my physical health, as in, well, you know, I will tell this, my knee's been bothering me, and my neck pain that I had some time ago, well, that's coming back. So, but the neck pain wasn't a thing Monday, it was my knee that was bothering me. My knee's not been bothering me too much today, but the neck, you know, that's how it goes. I'm old. Things are falling apart. But the... I'll tell you about that, you know. But the other stuff is just, you know, some stuff with the family, nothing major. Just uh, change kind of stuff. And again, nothing major. Uh, not really. Uh, Amy and I are, you know, we're not getting divorced. <laughs> Don't think that. No, it's all fine that way. It's just little things. And there was a something that I learned on Monday about uh, something, uh, family-wise, and some maybe a change of something. <laughs> I'm sorry to be so vague. But that just, change can make me anxious. And I and I and, and I just there I was I just kind of it started happening and just and I don't there's no if you're looking at me you're not seeing me acting all out of my mind you don't you don't you can't tell I'm actually having much of an anxiety thing I might sigh a little bit more often than I normally do I might get up and walk around a little bit more often than I normally do uh, well unless I'm trying to get my steps in I'm still doing the ten thousand steps a day still doing it. Which is really taking a lot of time out of my day. I mean, it takes like two hours, a little over two hours to do ten thousand steps for me. So that's a little over two hours each day. I, I but that's dedicated to me walking around. Okay. So you really can't just looking at me. You can't you know tell that I'm having a just a slight mental breakdown. <laughs> now I I don't want to oversell it. Um. But I, I said to Amy on Monday, I said, "Yeah, I'm feeling. I'm just having some anxiety." And she kind of asks, "Do I know what's going on?" And I say, "Yeah, I tell her about the stuff." And she's like, "Well, you know," she tries to say, "You know, ride it out," because she understands. She understands what it's like to have anxiety. She does uh, more so. I mean, because because she she understands. Let's just put it that way. And, uh, and so she just does what she can to just kind of give a little comfort and give me space and not try to, you know, uh, try to push too hard to, you know, to get past it. Well, I was, I happened to be at the same time uh, texting a friend of mine, who I won't say the name of my friend, just to protect him, because cause I know what he said to me came from a position of, of trying to be helpful. Uh, a position of love, if you will, if I can be so bold, uh, and, or of caring about a friend, and and you know, so I don't want to say who it was. He'll know if he listens to the show. He knows what I'm talking about. Uh, I mentioned to him while we were chatting 
that uh, I was feeling some anxiety. I was, so I'm having some anxiety right now. Uh, when he read that in the chat uh, that he and I were having with each other, he said, and I quote, How's that working for you? Now, I could just hear his voice. I can hear him saying it. Uh, he's the kind of guy that has uh, um, like rules that he lives his life by, things like that. And there was one when, when, he, when I said something, he says, that's exactly, that's one of my rules. I said, you know, it's, it's an adage we have in the janitorial work that, and my friend also does janitorial work, so maybe that's why it's a common phrase. But um, and when he heard me say it, he said, oh, exactly, you understand. Uh, and that is when, when going to a big scrub job, uh, you know, and we're packing up the van and getting things ready, and and we're wondering, ah, oh, geez, should we bring, should we bring such a, a piece of equipment? Should we bring it? And and the, and somebody, usually me, will say, you know, it's better to have it and not need it, than to need it and not have it. So bring it along. We got room in the van. Bring it along. And it has helped us out. So when I said that to him, he says, "That's exactly you know." So he has these 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 you know adages, these rules, these these phrases that help that he lives by, that, that he helps to impart wisdom on other people. So when he says to me, "How's that working for you?" He's saying, it, 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 "How is that helping you? How is you know?" He, he, and and so the, I, I told him, "I says, you know, I can't always control it. I can't you know, it's it's just something that happens." It just happens. There are there are uh, there are therapists out there, psychologists and psychiatrists that that uh, there are therapeutic methods which people can calm themselves down in an anxiety time. Uh, there are medications that people can take, and I don't know if I have it so bad as I need that kind of thing. But maybe, eh, who knows? Um, again, it's not crippling. I I. You know, if I, st I need to go somewhere and I'm anxious about it, I still go there. I still do the thing. It's just, it's a weird feeling inside. So he's, he, he's, he's trying to convince me that through text. And then he says, can you talk? Can we, can we, you know, can we talk on the phone? Can we chat? You know, actual live talk to each other? I said, sure. So he calls me up. And again, it's like, you know, how's that working for you? And I try to explain it. Look, I, you know, he, he says to me, uh, he says, now, you're, are you in imminent danger of, of death? I said, well, no. Is, is there a sinkhole opening up in your front yard that's going to suck your house into the, you know, under the ground? No. Is, is there any, you know, he's trying to say that whatever that is bothering me, it, it, it's probably not as bad as my feelings are are having it be you know he has said one of his sayings he has said that worry is a is a bill that never comes or a bill that never arrives it's you know he said stuff it's things like that and he's trying <laughs> to get me through and say you know it's probably not that big you know it's just it's it's probably not as as dire as you're thinking it is and i said well it's it's just it's a feeling that comes on me when, in certain circumstances, it just does. What can I do? Yeah. And so, okay. Um, 
we have that conversation. Amy's hearing a little bit of this because we're doing like a, a FaceTime chat with the phone. She hears some of it. She goes, ooh. <laughs> she says, he didn't say that, did he? <laughs> you know. And I said, well, it's, it's so-and-so. You know what he's like. And he's, he means, right, she knows he means well and he's trying to help and, and all that. That's not, you know, I know that and I appreciate that. But again, just saying, well, don't be anxious about it. Don't worry about it. Isn't just saying that, oh, gee, you know, that's why, wow, why do we need Xanax? <laughs> why, does the, why do people need Xanax if it's that easy? Just don't worry about it. Okay, thanks. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> I told him, I said, I know intellectually that there isn't stuff, you know, there are things that I can't do anything about. You know, you know the serenity thing. You know, you know, you know, Satan grant me the serenity to accept the things I can't change, and the, uh, the, 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 uh, the, uh, what is it? The, 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 the ability to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, or something like that. Right? That's the old. That's the, you know, the uh, Alcoholics Anonymous prayer. But I, I make that prayer to Satan, or at this time of year, Santa. You know, hail Santa. So anyway. <clears throat> Uh, I, I, I just, and I, I did tell them, I said, you know, from what I've learned, and I think I learned this through the Skeptic's Guide to the Universe podcast when they were talking, I think, about this. Uh, there are, there's at least one host on there that has some expertise in the, in the, in the area of uh, psychology. That would be uh, Cara Santa Maria. Uh, they were talking about, uh, I think it was from this, that there, there is a, a, a thought within psychiatry, evolutionary psychiatry, that there is some evolutionary uh, advantage to, uh, to the group. You know, in early human development, to the group, uh, uh, there was some advantage to have members of that group that would have anxiety. <laughs> that would be uh, hypervigilant, that would have, uh, uh, th have forward thinking. More, it's, that they're looking for the risks, looking for the dangers, uh, and, and envisioning them uh, that you know if we keep, if we do this, this this bad thing could happen. Uh, the ones that are paying closer attention to the to that noise in the in the distance in the dark, that say hey 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 pay attention to that because it helps to uh, keep the group alert. It may not be good for the individual having the problem, but it's just to have that individual around might have some advantage to keeping the group safer because you have those that are a little more alert to things. Although, I don't know. I could be wrong. <laughs> Again, I'm a layperson, and this, I'm just going by what I remember hearing. So I tried to explain that to my friend. And we just, you know, we joked around about some stuff and talked about some other things and uh, ended the phone call. And actually having talked to him, you know, brought me down a little bit from it. Not that, I, again, I wasn't, it wasn't, overly uh, uh, encompassing of my whole brain it was just it's just I'm feeling this and this is I'm feeling this this is that's just, just what's happening so it wasn't like I was running around the house or you know whatever picking out coffins or something I, I was just you know, just that I feel like this, and you know, and talking to him and having some laughs and that kind of helped blow off a little steam from it. So that did help a little bit. But when I got off the phone and I was talking to Amy about it, something hit me. You know, my friend. I said to Amy, I looked at her. I said, you know, this my this friend of mine, on occasion, suffers insomnia. 
and I wish I'd had thought of it while we were talking. Because I could have said to him, suppose at some point you tell me that uh, that you've been having, you know, some, you know, another bout over the last few nights of your insomnia. I mean, he has it where he goes to bed and he can't get to sleep, or he's at fitful sleep, and he wakes up at some point and he can't get back to sleep, so he just gets up and does something. If I'm gonna, you know, I've had that myself, where I wake up at like I don't know 4:30 in the morning, and I can't go back to sleep, so I just figure, well, I got comic books I could enter online, so just get up and do it, and if I get sleepy, I'll go back to bed. And it's just rather than just laying there in bed, staring at the ceiling. Uh, waiting for that sleepy feeling, uh, I just get up and, and do something. And that's what he does. Uh, so if he was to tell me that, you know, he used to have another bout of uh, insomnia, and, I, and if, if I, and I, I wish I would have thought of this to talk, tell him while I was talking to him, say to him, how's that working for you? You know you need sleep. You know it's a, just a basic thing that we do. You know, it's just an easy, you know, you should just, Go to sleep. Just go to bed. Go to sleep. Just close your eyes, relax, and go to sleep. And he would say, and hopefully he would see. Oh, I see what you're saying. It's not as easy. You know, it's not. You know, easy said, not easy done. It's just. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's that's what happens when I have some anxiety. I just can't just snap my fingers and it goes away. I understand that it might be irrational. That it's not. You know, as bad as I'm feeling it is, but that doesn't make it go away. And it doesn't, just as uh, you knowing that, hey, I need my sleep, and all I got to do is just close my eyes, relax, and I'll go to sleep. Well, it's not that easy sometimes. So, anyway, I just thought I'd talk about that because it was a thing that I had happen to me this past week. Uh, the next thing that's going to happen right now is I'm going to go to my break. Wow. I talked through all my first segment and all that? Jeez. And just about me? <laughs> well, my show is mostly about me when you come down to thinking of it, isn't it? Well, you're listening to Dimland Radio, the me show. Uh, this is your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. Uh, we're on the Z Talk Radio Network, and I will be back after this break. Hey, this is Danny Potts from the Kentucky Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to Z Talk Radio. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Z-Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. When, oh when, will someone design an exploding head emoticon? Please, someone, anyone. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. If this station was not your cup of tea, 
To Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. What's next up? Uh, well, we're having some weather here in the Twin Cities. Uh, it is uh, what is it? Friday, December 10th. It is uh, we are we're having our first major snowstorm of the season, and it's been well it, it uh, over the noon hour. It began to snow here in the Twin Cities. Pretty light at first, but it just uh, kind of kept snowing and kept snowing. And the weather people were saying uh, the way the maps are, you know, the models and the maps and all are playing out, the uh, the storm was going to intensify toward the evening rush hour, which is always a pleasant thing. Now, fortunately, I had already scheduled a half day today take off half the day uh, initially it was so that Amy and I could drive down to Mankato to pick up our son to bring him home for his winter break it's the end of the first semester that went by fast and we were going to do that but then this storm started to uh, it looked like it was going to be happening so we thought well let's go down I'll take the half day Thursday and we'll go down then but we're having some surprise surprise some issues with the car with the battery now, we're not sure. It's been okay for a while, but when it, we had a couple of cold snap days and the car wouldn't start, I had to put it on the battery on the charger. So I have an appointment next Wednesday to get it looked at. So anyway, we thought, well, we'll use my dad's car and see if they need the car. Well, Mom's got a doctor's appointment on Thursday at 2.40. Ah, crap. <laughs> Which would mean, okay, fine. When you get home, we'll come over, we'll get the car, and we'll drive down and get Hayden. And then... <laughs> My sister called while I was working uh, Tuesday night, I think it was. Yeah, it was Tuesday night. So this is, we had the plan, and then she calls me on Tuesday night and said, look, uh, uh, her husband and she will bring Hayden up on Saturday. This is just so we don't have to worry about anything at all. Just bring him up on Saturday. I, I, yeah, okay, Kitty, you can go upstairs. No, look, Cat, ghosts aren't real. Stop... No, stop insisting they're real. Look, I've told you this again and again. You need to work on your critical thinking skills. Fine. Walk away. I'm telling you, they don't, they don't exist. There's no good evidence for them. Now go upstairs and lay down with Amy. All right, you can go now. I'm telling you, the cat, the critical thinking skills she's got, I don't know. I don't know. Now, you'd think she'd pick something up around us. I mean, hearing me talk about this stuff here and there, you'd think she'd pick up on something. Now, anyway, what was I saying? 
Anyway, so Nancy, my sister, says, we'll bring him up. Oh, boy, that took a relief. That was great. So, had the half day today. The snow comes in, and the weather people were correct. They're pretty, you know, they're not bad at predicting a lot of this stuff and, and getting the tracks of the, of the bands of snow and things like that, what's going to happen. Well, it's still snowing now. I'm recording this at, it's almost 11 o'clock, uh, uh, Friday night, and it's still snowing. It's expected to snow in the area until like four in the morning but it you know it's heavy at times light at times heavy at times you know back and forth uh i think at the moment it looks like to me there's eight or nine inches of snow out there right now although uh there's a little town there's a there's a suburb of saint paul called woodbury which isn't all that far from us and they've got as of nine o'clock this evening they had something like almost 13 inches of snow. So, you know, <laughs> it's going to be fun tomorrow. <laughs> um, I normally clean a building or a suite in a building on Friday nights. I emailed the customer and said, I'm probably going to do this over the weekend. Is there any shifts that I need to be aware of going on on the weekend? They said there shouldn't be a problem. So, all right. So, yeah, Minnesota. It's great. And here's the nutty thing. This is the nutty thing of it all. Once this is done, uh, tomorrow they expect sun to come out and Sunday to be nice and sunny. And as the week progresses next week, by Wednesday, they're expecting temperatures to be 50 degrees and they're expecting rain. And then Thursday, the high temperature, they're expecting 25. So they're going cutting into half. <laughs> it's weird. It's a weird time of year. The transition's weird. Who knows what climate change might have, if there's any kind of, if climate change has a hand in what's going on here, I don't know. But my goodness. <laughs> so tomorrow, I'll be uh, clearing snow. And with my neck pain, that's a beauty. All right, uh, I have uh, something that I have not done in quite a while. Here we go. It's not true, it's not true I'm telling you Cause I'm up here and you're nowhere It's not true So there Okay, this isn't a super solid it's not true. I tried to follow this up. I've been seeing this on, on the social media Facebook. I've been seeing this uh, where um, your Christian types will share this meme that says, did you know that the six panel door to people's houses that has the six panels? Did you know that uh, there's two, the top two panels are, uh, are pretty much square then the next two panels down are longer rectangles. Then the next two patterns, pa uh, 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 panels down from those are longer rectangles, but they're, but they're shorter than the middle ones with a bigger gap, in sometimes with a bigger gap between the two middle panels and the bottom panels. Did you know that the, the negative space between the panels is at the top it's a cross and at the bottom it's uh, the, the the two panels uh it's to it's to be the represent the open bible 
it's a it's a Christian thing. It was designed by the Christians back in colonial times in America, to you know to I don't know praise God, and to ward off witches. So it was a twofer. You know, uh, I, I was, but and, and when I started, I started looking into it. I was thinking, this can't be. Can, is this right? I mean, it could be. It's not that outlandish that they might do something like that into a design. It sounds plausible, but everything I found points to it being a myth. That this isn't true. That it's not what they designed it. The reason why there's the panels in the doors, the old design of doors, why they put panels in them was because the, uh, the that would give the door the ability to expand and contract through hot and cold weather. Uh, the panels might warp and that would make them easier to replace. So that's that's why these doors were designed that way with the panels and, and, and the, the uh, you know, whatever else they call them, the parts of the door, the frames and panels or whatever. It's just that it the the thinking is it's just this story that has come up that the that the door represents you know the six panel door represents a cross and an open bible um so and the reason why i say this isn't the most solid of an it's not true i believe it to be not true that's my opinion on this is that it's not true from what i'm finding most of what i'm finding about it indicates that it's not true but i haven't found a an authoritative source that says yeah no this isn't true uh it's close as i could get with somebody's blog in which they quoted somebody named uh carl lounsbury i think it's his name carl lounsbury who is uh, a an associate professor um at i think william and mary He's a professor of history. He has interests in early American architecture, among other things. And he thinks the idea is essentially ridiculous. And he points out that in uh, Norfolk, Virginia, there's a house that's known as Moses Meyer's house, which has a door that has the six panel thing. And the reason why that's unusual is Moses Meyer, who I'm assuming had the house built, picked the door, is Jewish. So, the idea that that's what it's about, it seems not to be a very solid ground. I, I think that it's it's iffy. I think I, I'm I'm leaning toward that it's a myth. I think most mostly it's a myth. I know it's not the most solid of an it's not true, but it's close. And our door, we have uh, one of those like sunburst windows up at the top. I think that's what they call it. And it's got four panels under there. And it's very subtle. I'll have to take a picture and put it on the show notes page, which you can get to by going to dimland.com and click on the show notes slash blog op option. Uh, it's a little subtle, but the, the, the there's a it's made to look like it's a panel door, but it's a metal door with a foam core fill uh, center, crunchy center. Uh the, the two panels that, that are, uh, are higher are just a little bit longer than the panels that are lower. So the cross is upside down. Hail Satan. So the idea that the door was designed, the six-panel door was designed to look like a cross above an open Bible seems pretty clearly, uh, at least likely, that it's not true. Thank you.
Sad news today in the world of pop music. Uh, last week I talked about the Beatles and the Stones and the greatest rock band in the world, the Who. Uh, but there's this other band out there that doesn't have the, quite the reputation that those three bands that I've mentioned. There, it, It's a good band uh, if it is a band. <laughs> and that's the Monkees. Uh, the, the, they're, the, they're the prefab four. They... They, uh, some TV producer folks had this idea that you know the Beatles were doing great and they had those movies uh, uh, Hard Day's Night and Help and they wanted to create an American version of, a, of a, the Beatles well, three quarters American version of the Beatles because Davy Jones was British uh, they wanted to create that uh, as a TV show that would have that feel of uh, Richard Lester who is the director of the two Beatles films that I mentioned, he wanted. To, they wanted it to have that feel, and uh, so they created this show. They auditioned for musicians and actors to play the parts. Can you sing? Uh, Mickey Dolenz played a. Uh, 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 he was a child actor. Played in a television series called Circus Boy, so he has experience there. Davy Jones, that I already mentioned, was a uh, was also an actor and a singer and dancer who uh, played uh, the Artful Dodger in the uh, play uh, Oliver. Um, and then uh, Peter Tork was an actual musician, a folk folky you know folk music musician sort of guy um, who uh, you know. Uh, was told by his friend Stephen Stills, who Stephen Stills of Crosby, Stills and Nash and Buffalo Springfield, uh, he Stephen Stills auditioned for the show, didn't get it, and he recommended Peter Tork for the part. So they, you know, they liked Peter Tork and Mike Nesmith, uh, the the fellow uh, you know from Texas, who had the 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 Texas accent and the, the wool cap, um, you know. He rounded out the band, uh, uh, this put-together band for a television show. And the show was nutty, kind of fun, a little silly, a little silly, a lot silly. Uh, but the Beatles, or the Beatles, the Monkees uh, produced some pretty good songs. Sure, there were a lot of studio musicians musicians used. Uh, the Monkees finally got their way. They wanted to, look, we want to be a band, and we want to play on our albums and so they had an album that came out in i think 68 67 or 68 called headquarters where they 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 do play most of the stuff that's on the album yeah their producer uh chip douglas i think was his name uh does play some bass and some other instruments on it but it's essentially it's the four monkeys you know producing most everything on there and and there was a lot of knocking these guys for not being a real band they didn't play everything and 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 sometimes uh you know some of the band members would point out in later years oh, okay who plays the horns on the beatles songs uh you know who who's that playing did you know that the, the mamas and the papas i mean you know what's his name uh john phillips is that his name what is his name is that his name 
from the mamas and the papas. So anyway, the guy, uh, you know, he might play guitar, and they sing on him. It's all them singing, but who's playing the music? Yeah, you know, it's just they're not playing the music, and the birds. The birds' first album was uh, Roger McGuinn was allowed to play on it because Roger McGuinn had some experience as a session musician, so they, they had some chops. So he was allowed to play guitar on that album. But the other players in the band, they weren't allowed to play. They went with, I think, the Wrecking Crew, which was a, a group of uh, studio mu musicians, that, and they knocked out an album in like a couple of weeks. And then the, when the birds you know, started making it, um, uh, when it came time to make their next album, I think it was their next album, they insisted that they do it, that, that, that we're the band, we play the stuff, we're doing it. And it took them a lot longer than it took the uh, Wrecking Crew, I think it was the Wrecking Crew, to put the album together. So, you know, there was, there was that transition time. The Beatles were the ones that were making it seem like, well, we had to write our own songs and we had to play most of everything on our own songs. It was the Beatles that, sort of, that started that thing going. And then it just became a thing. And now it's expected. So by the time the monkeys came along, uh, it was really expected. Oh, you gotta be, you gotta be doing your own stuff. You can't have other musicians come in. So you know, you're not really a real band. No, anyway. But Mike Nesmith, and the reason I'm bringing it up, you probably know, Mike Nesmith died, or the news that he died, came out earlier today, and it really hit me. It was like I, it was completely what? What? He just the reason why I think it was such a surprise was because just a, within a month a month or a month and a half they just he and Mickey Dolans the two surviving members of the of the monkeys had just wrapped up a little tour and and they had plans apparently to uh, do a cruise thing you know where they would perform on a cruise coming up in 2022 that's next next year so you know I, I don't I don't know if they stopped because Mike was ill or something but uh, apparently he died of natural causes. He was 78 years old. He's only a couple of years older than Pete Townsend. I think, well, geez, you know. So when I heard about it, I was, uh, it, it, was a, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a shock. My goodness, I didn't expect that. So um, what I thought I'd do is I'd run down a list of songs. And again, this will be on the show notes page. Go to dimland.com, click on the show notes blog option, and you'll get to this. I'll link to each of these songs if I can find them. Um, and I don't know why I wouldn't be able to. Uh, I've got ten songs that are uh, sung by Mike Nesmith, uh, in the and they're Monkeys songs. Um, a few of them, I think, uh, let's see, one, two, three... <laughs> One, two, three, four. Well, half of the songs are written by Mike Nesmith. That was another thing. He started to write songs for the band, that, and he was one of the early uh, uh, alternative uh, country or country rock that started to come out. You know, with the Eagles and uh, other bands. You know, the Birds went that direction, uh, and uh, in their later career, and and Mike Nesmith was in there influencing that, you know, the, the country rock stuff that, that came up. So I have a list of 10 songs that uh, I will I will link to in the show notes page so you can check them out. These are songs that, uh, uh, these are my uh, 10 of my favorite Mike Nesmith vocals. 
uh, and five of which, I think they're five of which, are written by uh, Mike Nesmith. Uh, uh, first off is um, Me and Magdalena, uh, which is a song that was uh, uh, not written by uh, Mike Nesmith. It was on their album that came out just a few years ago, uh, years ago called Good Times, which is a really delightful album. It's great. I mean, for a Monkees album, it ranks with, you know, it's great. I mean, it's, The Who put out an album, just, and I know this is going to sac be sound sacrilegious, but The Who put out an album, a new album just a little bit ago. They wish that that Who album they put out just a little bit a couple years ago called, the, called Who, which is good, it's a good album, but they wish it was as good a Who album as this Good Times is a, as good a Monkees album. They wish it was that, because it's not. I mean, it's it's good. I'm a Who fan. I like it. It's good, but it's the Monkees album, Good Times, nails it. It's excellent. So, uh, Me and Magdalena is the first song you should check out. It's kind of a ballad sort of thing. Uh, and then uh, the other song, it's this is an early composition by Mike Nesmith called Papa Jean's Blues. I just love the feel of this song. It just kind of moves along real nice. has a country feel to it. Uh, next, uh, Just May Be the One, uh, written by Mike Nesmith. Papa Jean's uh, Blues was written by Mike Nesmith, if I didn't say so. Uh, Papa, uh, next is you, know, you Just May Be the One. See, all men... Uh, it's a great song. <laughs> I was going to start saying the, the lyrics, but I can't remember them now. Uh, it's a great song. Uh, the next I have um, The Door Into Summer. Uh, he does the vocals on this song. He does, you know, he did not write it. Uh, it. That's a terrific song off of their album. I think it's called Pisces, uh, Aquarius, Capricorn, Capricorn, and Jones. I think it's off that album. Uh, next is The Girl I Knew Somewhere. Now, Mike Nesmith wrote the song. The, the, you may be more familiar with the uh, Mickey Dolan's lyrics uh, or singing of the song, uh, but there's an alternative mix of uh, or an alternative track or whatever uh, of this song that was sung by Mike Nesmith, and I prefer the one sung by Mike Nesmith. Mickey Dolan's version is great, and it's the one you're probably you probably know, and I hope I can find it when I link to these. Uh, but I think. Uh, uh, Nesmith's voice just works better on the song. It's just I just like it better on the song. But, uh, but Mickey Nolan's version is great too. It's great too. Uh, next is uh, What Am I Doing Hanging Round? Uh, not written by Nesmith, but his vocals are great on here. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's just a terrific song. Uh, then there's uh, Birth of an Accidental Hipster. This is a song that was also on the Good Times album from just recently. Uh, he did not write it. In fact, it was written by Noel Gallagher and Paul Weller. Noel Gallagher of Oasis and Paul Weller of The Jam. Those two fellas wrote that song. Uh, and and it's uh, I think it's a pretty cool tune. Uh, next, I put on um, Sunny Girlfriend. That's a Mike Nesmith uh, uh, composition. And I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, Love is Only Sleeping is the next one. That's his vocals only. He did not uh, He did not write it. And then wrapping it up with a, a tune that he wrote, and it's kind of fun. It starts off very dissonant, very, it seems like it's out of tune, kind of weirdness going on there. And then it has a, an old uh, Winchester Cathedral kind of feel to it. Uh, and it's called uh, Tapioca Tundra. And I like that. So 
when you check out the show notes, which should be up sometime on Sunday, uh, I will link to all those songs. You check them out. Uh, Mike Nesmith, he's awesome, uh, and he's dead. <laughs> he's 78, and it was kind of very unexpected, uh, and 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 surprisingly um, affecting of me for some reason. It just man, what am I going to be like when Townsend dies? I'll just be a wreck. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the Seat Talk Radio Network. I'll be right back. to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Wash your hands often to reduce the spread of germs and disease. To wash your hands properly, wet them, apply a quarter-sized amount of liquid soap, and rub them together for about the time it takes to sing the Happy Birthday song twice. Wash the front and back, in between your fingers, and under your nails. Dry them with a paper towel if possible, and then use the paper towel to turn off the faucet and open the door. If soap and water aren't available, use an alcohol-based hand sanitizer. A message from the CDC. I am living on Channel Z. You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. Is it possible that I have, what, seven minutes to fill on this thing? Oy. Can I do it? <laughs> Let's find out. Way back in October, not October, August of 2020, uh, August at the it was August 29, 2020, show number 466. To give you an idea how far back that was, this is show 521. Show 466. I did a story or told about a something I had discovered in the comic book world. Uh, I was uh, you know I, I work for Nostalgia Zone which is a comic book company in Minneapolis. You can go to NostalgiaZone.com. You can check out our online catalog. You can link to our my blog that's supposed to be weekly, but <laughs> lately 
Yeah, it's not been yeah, for a long time. It's not been weekly. In fact, I don't know how many I've written this this year. Uh, maybe next year I'll try to get back to doing writing something every week. It's just, eh, things have been tough. <laughs> anyway, um, part of my uh, my main job, I should say, at the comic book store is to take a like a hundred or so comic books from the store that in our new arrivals and bring them home sit with the laptop and enter them onto our online catalog so that customers can order them online if they wish or come in the store and we have the inventory and then I bring them back the next I do this on Saturday I pick them up and then I bring them back the next Saturday having entered them and then I put them into you know proper places within the store and then I grab another batch bring it home for the next week and uh, one week I was um, well back in August of 2020 I was uh, going through uh, some new arrivals, and I came upon this comic book called Daredevil, which is a Marvel Comics comic book. Uh, issue number 133, if I wrote that down correctly. And there on the cover, drawn on the cover, was 70s spoon-bending sensation Uri Geller. Good old Uri Geller. He's on the cover. That that issue came out, I think, in 1977. So it was a couple years after. I think a couple years after his his grand failure on the Johnny Carson show, the uh, the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Uh, Geller was making a name for himself as this 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 young man from Israel who had this special divinely given power to bend spoons. Wow. Okay. He could also bend keys. He could he could get a, a stopped watch to tick for a few seconds. Uh and he could reproduce drawings that he didn't see the person draw, apparently. But he'd have some a person draw something and not show him what they drew. And then he'd reproduce it by just, you know, think about what you drew. Think, think. And then he'd, he'd draw it. That's pretty much all his trade. Oh, I think he could, I think he could, if you, if you put out old film canisters, you know, like the little, the little film, you know, film, younger people that don't know what film is. When people, in the old days, people used to take photographs, and what they would do is they would get the stuff called film which is the strips of plastic that would come in a roll and a special thing to keep light from hitting it. And you put it into a camera, an actual camera. And then you take a picture and it would expose that film. And then you'd bring the film somewhere and they'd develop the pictures. And a week or two later or a day or an hour later, depending, uh, you'd get your pictures, right? Uh, that's okay. So they, this, this, the, the little rolls of film would come in these little canisters. And sometimes they, in the old days, they used to be made of metal, but now they then went to plastic. And 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 anyway, so you could fill them with like, well, you could fill them with water. Uh, potheads would fill them with pot, and <laughs> but you know, and what they would do, what what Uri would do, he'd have like ten of them out, and somebody would fill one of them with water, and he would figure out which one it was using his psychic powers. I think that was one of the things he did.
Well, the stuff that he did was, I mean, again, bending spoons. Wow, that's really impressive. Uh, this divine power give you, giver gave you the power to bend spoons. Wow. Gee, that's, uh, that's going to change the world. And he'd been, he'd been studied by scientists. And he fooled them. I mean, uh, and they thought he was authentic. Now, it's, it, it's my opinion that he was doing, you know, magician's tricks. Just tricks. That's all he was doing. Um, anyway, so he was a sensation, and he was in the news, and Stan Lee, publisher of Marvel Comics, uh, uh, he he never missed an opportunity to, to jump on some fad. I mean, Silver Surfer. Silver Surfer. <laughs> a space dude who travels on a surfboard. Gee, Silver Surfer was introduced into comic books in the mid-1960s. <laughs> and what was big then? Surfing. Kids like surfing? Let's come up with a character that rides around on a surfboard. I mean, it's not stupid. It's a, it's a good marketing thing to do fine and silver Surfer's a cool character but come on you know he saw a gimmick he'd go with it so he got he got uh, marv wolfman that's his actual name marv i know who's named marv no i mean his last name wolfman that's his actual name he was a writer and an editor for marvel comics and uh, um the story goes that Stan Lee calls Marv up to the to up to Stan's opulent office, and Marv goes up there, and Stan says, "Marv, I want you to put this sensational Uri Geller into a comic book. Wouldn't it be great?" So Marv puts him into Daredevil, writes him into it. Marv met Uri Geller, and Uri bent some uh, keys for Marv, and reproduced a drawing. And Marv's it became Marv Wolfman became a believer. Oh, this guy can do it. He's right. Wow, you know that's a real uh, that's a real advantage for the human race to have somebody being able to bend keys with their mind. Yet somehow their hands are always involved. Hmm. He'd bend spoons with his mind. Yet somehow his hands were always involved. Interesting. Okay, so they put this comic book together. And I discovered it, and I went, oh, man. I mean, in comic books, there are plenty of characters that are created and, and written and, can, and, and, and appear in these comic books that can do all kinds of crazy things. Magneto can make metal bend with his mind. And, and Dr. Uh, or uh, Professor X, uh, ex uh, 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 Charles Xavier, he can, you know, he can telepathically communicate with people. Uh, you know, the Scarlet Witch can move things with her mind. She can make things happen. I mean, yeah, in comic books, they can do this stuff. If, it can be, if you can write it and draw it, you can do it. But bringing in... A, a, a somebody in the real world, Uri Geller, bringing him into the comic book world and legitimizing this guy's tricks. It's kind of upsetting. And when I saw that, I thought, huh. Now, that's pretty much what I talked about back in August of 2020. Just recently, uh, in the Facebook group that I'm part of, which is a, you know, 
old guy. It's a comic book collecting site. You know, old old man, old guys who like old comics, or it's, uh, yeah, I think it was that one. Somebody just you know posted the cover. It was like a cool cover. It's not a bad cover. Uh, somebody posted that cover of, of of Daredevil with Uri Geller, and that conversation started about Uri Geller being probably uh, not what he presented himself as being, and uh, and got that and somebody said something that I thought was interesting. You see, when when uh, Geller showed up on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, Johnny had some help to make Geller fail at his tricks. And the help came from James Randi. In issue of Daredevil 137, in the letters to the editor, I would like to read you a letter that appeared in that page. I'm going to read you three letters that appeared on that page. Might go over a little bit today, but no, this week, but what the hell. I go over sometimes anyway, so bear with me. <clears throat> uh, Dear Mr. Lee, this letter is written to Stan Lee. Dear Mr. Lee, I was shocked to find an episode in Daredevil that featured the Israeli conjurer Uri Geller. Such exposure of Geller only helps to promote the impression that he has genuine supernatural powers, and I am sure the Marvel folks do not wish to perpetuate the myth that he has built up around himself by means of his sleight-of-hand tricks. Uri Geller claims to be a man with divine powers. In my book, The Magic of Uri Geller, I have shown beyond doubt that he is employing a simple magician's tricks to hoodwink the world. In his own country, he was convicted in court of the same kind of thing we here in the, U in the USA have been paying him fortunes to fool us with. Magic as a profession is an honorable one and I have pursued with distinction for several decades. I resent the Gellers who take money for the performance of supposedly supernatural feats, which are only common tricks. I believe that Marvel should set the record straight on this matter. On this matter, James Randi, Rumson, New Jersey. Yeah, that James Randi. He found out about this, got upset, wrote them a letter. Well, he wasn't the only one who wrote them a letter. Uri Geller wrote them a letter. And he wrote this letter to not defend himself. This is not to defend himself, this letter. Keep that in mind as I read it to you. Dear readers of Marvel Comics, Many a time I have been called a fraud and a charlatan. These accusations mainly come from seemingly desperate, jealous magicians and other negative people. They distort the facts lie and misinterpret me. It's true that a magician could duplicate du I'm sorry, could duplicate with sleight of hand and tricks uh, the phenomena I cause to happen with genuine powers. But these ma magicians have never duplicated these effects under the scientifically controlled conditions under which I have been tested. 
As a matter of fact, many five and six-year-old children in different countries, including the United States, have been tested by scientists because they also are producing genuine phenomenon. Or phenomena. Sorry. Do, 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 do. Are these children magicians who use sleight of hand with concealed laser beams and chemicals? But laser beams and chemicals? What? Anyway, continuing. I am not a magician. Never have been. And I am not uh, competing with magicians now or ever. I have been tested by many scientists in universities and research laboratories around the world, as well as by professional magicians. Here are some of their comments. And then he drops some quotes, some blurbs from some scientists here. As a result of Geller's success in this experimental period, we consider that he has demonstrated his paranormal, paranormal perceptual ability in a convincing and unambiguous manner. H. Putoff, Ph.D., and Russell Targ, Stanford Uni Research Institute, Menlo Park, California. That's not Stanford University. It's a, it's a place that's close to Stanford, but it's not associated with Stanford. The evidence based on metallurgical analysis of fractured surfaces produced by Geller, uh, let's see where I just I lost my produced by Geller, indicates that a paranormal influence must have been operative uh, in the formation of the fractures. Wilbur Franklin, Ph.D., Kent State University, Physics Department, Kent, Ohio. The Geller method of breaking steel is unlike anything described in the metallurgical literature from fatigue fractures at 150 degrees Celsius to brittle fractures at minus 600 degrees Celsius. John Hasted, uh, Ph.D., Department of Physics, Birkbeck College, University of uh, London. The Geller effect of metal bending is clearly not brought about by fraud. John G. Ty uh, Taylor, uh, Ph.D., Department of Mathematics, Mathematics, <laughs> yeah, King's College, University of uh, London. There is no way, based on my knowledge of as a magician, that any method of trickery could have been used to produce the effects under the conditions to which Geller was subjected. Arthur, uh, Artur Zakur, Z Zorka, sorry, Artur Zorka. There's a couple more quotes. Uh, he's a member of the Society of uh, American Magicians, Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, another quote, I have failed to conceive uh, of any means of deception in the static PK, that's uh, psychokinetic, tests with Geller, nor have magicians whom I have consulted, William E. Cox, who is a, I gotta get my page set up right, who is a uh, research associate at the Institute of Parapsychology in Durham, North, North Carolina. Parapsychology, there's a good, some good science there. And then back to Geller. I did not write this letter to defend myself. Really? You didn't? Seems pretty defensive to me. I don't believe I have to. Long pause for effect. I wrote it merely for the general knowledge of readers who may have been misled and confused by falsehood. So to all my detractors, I send love and good wishes. Uri Geller. Now, scientists can be fooled. Uh, by people like Geller. 
James Randi showed that to be the fact uh, that be the case in his Alpha Project, in which he enlisted two young magicians to be tested by scientists as being psychic. And the one rule, one of the rules he gave them, he maybe gave them other rules, but he gave them one strict, hard and fast rule. If at any time during your being tested by these scientists, if any of them ask you if you are doing tricks, you have to be honest and say, yes, you are. They were never asked. They were never directly asked, are you trying to trick us? Are you using tricks? They never were asked. And the scientists fully believed in these two young magicians' abilities. They thought they were psychic. They thought they could bend things and do the, the psychic stuff. They thought they could do it. And then at some point, Randy and the two young magicians had a press conference and announced to the world that they fooled these scientists, which was pretty rough, and there were some calls of unethical behavior on, uh, uh, on Randy's side, but scientists can be fooled. One more letter. It's going to take a couple minutes. I'm going long this week. Sorry. One more letter. This letter was written by Mark Evanier. Evanier. Uh, from Los Angeles, California. Mark is uh, uh, was a, at the time was a writer for Gold Key Comic Books. He was a colleague of Marv Wolfman's. So he writes this letter to his friend and colleague, Marv Wolfman. He writes, Dear Marvin, Do you believe in the Easter Bunny? In the Great Pumpkin? In the talent of Jerry Lewis? If you're the self-same, if you're the self-same, Marvin Wolfman, that witty soul with whom I have shared several uh, comic conventions, then you probably answered no to two, possibly all three, of the above queries. Why then do you believe in Uri Geller? Oh, and Geller duplicated a drawing you did? Duplicating drawings is easy. Marv, Run down to the kitty book wing of the of your local library where you'll find this trick, and many equally astounding, in almost any book of beginning magic. I did it when I was ten. You see, friend of mine, by your own admission, you know very little about this Uri Geller. You don't know that he was virtually laughed out of his home nation of Israel for stunts such as the time... He was told backstage, before a performance, that Abul, Abdul Nasir had just died. He then went on stage, and Miracle of Miracles predicted the death. Israeli reporters also discovered that, wherever Geller performed, he always insisted on a front-row center seat for his brother, actually his assistant. In short order, the reporters deciphered and published the list of hand gestures that the alleged brother used to relay answers to Geller. Since it was mentioned in Daredevil, you, you're obviously aware that Geller has been on all the major American talk shows, but you probably don't know how disastrous most of his appearances on them have been. In most cases, a magician called the Amazing Randy, a magician, not a psychic, followed Geller onto those shows and duplicated all of Geller's supposed mental feats. When Geller did The Tonight Show, Carson contacted Randy, who advised on how to handle the props so that they could not be gimmicked. On the air, Geller found himself unable to do anything of a psychic nature. 
In other words, he flopped. Much the same thing happened on the Mike Douglas show, except that in, the, in that instance, Geller's people were able to get the failures edited out of the air tape. When Geller visited Merv Griffin's show, shortly after the Carson fiasco, Griffin proclaimed that he believed in Geller's sense. If Geller were just a magician, his tricks would have worked on Carson's show. But then Merv Griffin also thinks the Gabor sisters are interesting. The point of this is, Mr. Wolfman, that Uri Geller has yet to prove to the satisfaction of anyone who can tell the difference that what he does is accomplished by mental powers instead of standard prestidigitation. Everything he does can be duplicated by clever magicians, and he steadfastly refuses to perform in front of them, claiming they give off hostile vibrations which cause him to fail. He has fooled a few scientists, and scientists are the easiest people in the world to fool with magic, and has been exposed by a large number of reporters, professional magicians, and the like. Increasingly, he is finding it hard to get publicity, but this month he got into Daredevil. You're a sweet guy and a fine writer, Marv, but about magic, you know zilch. Wolfman, you've been had. By the way, I have this swampland for sale. And, you know, Geller himself said in his letter that magicians can duplicate the sli with sleight of hand and tricks the phenomena which he does. Well, then, I mean, Occam's Razor. <laughs> you know? So, uh, and this, uh, this letters to the editor appeared in uh, Daredevil number 137. So, in case you want to find it and add it to your collection, I know I did. Good night, Frau Doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. Whew. I was worried I wouldn't be able to fill a show. Uh, well, I got a shovel tomorrow. Wash your hands, wear a mask, get vaccinated, get boosted, do those things. We got to get through this. Uh, uh, be skeptical, and extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. You've been listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network, and this is your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Simmons, reminding you to sleep with the lights off. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's d-r-d-i-m at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. This has been a production of the Z Talk Radio Network.
And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. Bonjour, Monsieur Dim. You are too clever for us naughty people. Well, well I'm going I'm to hell. hell.